I just want to encourage you this morning, open your Bible as we continue in this Believe This Christmas uh, series to Luke chapter 1 and pull out the uh, bulletin which has the outline in it as well. It happens every spring, the NFL draft, when 32 colleges uh, vie for their best selection Uh, 32 teams want the best college pick they can get for their team for the coming season of National Football League action. And so this last season, most of you know, who was the second overall pick? Marcus Mariota, that's right. Now, how many of you know who was number 256? Anyone? Well, I didn't think you might remember, and there's a reason for that. In fact, number 256 gets a special jersey presented to him. Got a picture, I think, here. Uh, He's called Mr. Irrelevant, okay? And uh, this year's Mr. Irrelevant jersey went to Gerald Christian, who came out of Louisville, a tight end. And uh, he is uh, actually an excellent athlete, drafted by the Cardinals, unfortunately got injured in the preseason, but called Mr. Irrelevant because most people think he'll never make it as a permanent fixture on that team. This guy might. But I think it's ironic that he is named Gerald Christian because I believe a lot of Christians feel like they are irrelevant, that God wouldn't notice me. He certainly wouldn't use me for his purpose But I want to challenge you, if you have felt irrelevant, or if you do now, to rethink that position, because it's not biblical. It's not the message of God's Word to you. In fact, in the Christmas story that we're going to reconsider this morning, there was a young woman who, if anybody had the right to feel irrelevant, it was her. But she came to see that God could use her in an unbelievable way. And that, of course, is Mary, who was betrothed to Joseph. Last week we considered how Joseph believed even when he was disappointed. Well, Mary believed even though she felt irrelevant and God did an amazing thing through her life. So let's see how that transition took place through the progression of this passage. Beginning with this. Mary was troubled and confused when she heard God had extended his favor to her. Chapter 1, verse 26 of Luke. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. She was perplexed. Sometimes that word is translated terrified. This was scary. Here's a man standing before her she'd never seen before. I don't know if she knows he's an angel. I'm convinced he didn't have wings flapping around on his back like you see in the movies. Some strange man saying, Hail, favored one. The Lord is with you. And she's scared and a bit confused. And if she began to think about the Lord is with me, I thought, why would he be with me? And why would he extend favor to me? After all, I mean, she was just a young Jewish girl. 
far from the center of action. She lived in Nazareth, which was a little drink water town off the beaten trail where, well, everyone down south in Galilee just disparaged it, if she knew that. They had a saying, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? It was near Sephorus, which was a Roman city on the trade route, but she wasn't there and she wasn't anybody important, had no education. She didn't have marketable skills, no position, just a young Jewish girl. And that's kind of the lower end of the social rung for sure anyway, but the Lord noticed her, would favor her. What, what could that be all about? You're favored by God. Greetings, favored one. The Catholic translation, the Dewey Rhymes version, uh, has it this way. And the angel being come in said unto her, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. For those of you with a Catholic background, you're more familiar with that. In the Latin, the opening words of that angel are, Ave Maria, from which the song comes. But this is actually, when the angel greets Mary, the first Hail Mary. Okay. Just seeing if we had some football fans in the audience. Because a Hail Mary is a football term for, well, in fact, I want to, Dee and I were watching the Packers play the Lions last Sunday afternoon, and some of you saw this. Here, here's a Hail Mary in football terms. But I think, can the receivers get far enough down the field? Rodgers in trouble. It's going to get there. He turned 32 yesterday. Does he have a vintage moment in him? In the end zone, it is caught for the win. Richard Rodgers with a walk-off touchdown. A game-ender for the Packers. That was amazing. 67 yards in the air, but it went so high. Unbelievable. Uh, a Lions fan after the last service is still whining about that face mask non-penalty you know, penalty the play before. But this is called a Hail Mary, and some of you, that's all you knew a Hail Mary to be, is a long pass where you throw it up with a wish and a prayer that somebody's going to catch it in the end zone. A prayer. Because that's what some of the rest of you think of when you think of a Hail Mary, if you came out of a Catholic background. Because there's a Catholic prayer that is spoken regularly. In fact, it's in the rosary, and you pray that prayer 50 times in the rosary, Hail Mary. In fact, I've got an a expression of it here. Let's pull it up and take a look. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Catholics pray that regularly and continually and have for a long time. The first sentence is the words, are the words that the angel spoke to Mary. The second sentence, blessed are you among women, is the sentence that Elizabeth spoke to Mary recorded earlier in Luke chapter 1. The third sentence, Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death, was added in about the 6th century 
and became widespread in its usage by the 14th century. And in 1586, at the Council of Trent, it became official, a prayer of the Catholic Church, all put together like that, and uh, now to this day is recited by every Catholic regularly and continually. And uh, the Catholics, in their tradition, consider Mary a helper, a guide, an intercessor, one who intercedes, one who prays on behalf of those asking her to pray for them. I have a couple of issues with that uh, and with the uh, Hail Mary prayer. One is that uh, when you recite a prayer repetitiously over and over without thinking about it, um, well, Jesus spoke about that, didn't he? He said, don't be like the pagans who think they'll be heard for their many words. They're just mouthing them, but their mind's not engaged. Now, the Catholics don't have a corner on that market, do they? <laughs> Protestants do the same thing. It's human nature. Sometimes we just pray without really thinking. But that's not what Jesus asked us to do. He wants us to pray from our heart. You could even say that Hail Mary prayer if you were thinking and meaning it as you were speaking it to the Lord or the Lord's prayer or any other prayer. But the other issue I think is even more serious and that is here's a prayer that's addressed to Mary and asking her then to pray for us as though she could hear that prayer now and she were the intercessor. But actually Mary needed a savior just like we do. She's honored. She had a unique position, no question about that. But we're never instructed in Scripture to pray to her. And there's only one intercessor who prays for us, and that's Jesus, the ascended Lord. And so, biblically, I would have an issue with that. But, in fact, we pray because uh, the Lord invites us to pray to the Father through him. But here's Mary. She hears the man speak to her saying she is favored by God, full of grace. And this first Hail Mary, neither a football play nor a Catholic prayer. It was a greeting from that angel that confused her and perplexed her. But that's not all. Mary was troubled and confused when she heard she'd been chosen to bear the Son of the Most High. The angel said to her, verse 30, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Can you imagine this young Jewish girl who's just made it into her teens. She's hearing all this for the first time. How could she begin to take this in? Speaking of a child that she would conceive that would be, wow, receiving the king of his father David, who a thousand years earlier had reigned over a glorious kingdom in Israel, and how he'd reign over the house of Jacob, or Israel, forever. And yet, somewhere in all these words, as her mind was just probably racing, she, I believe, understood something. This is him. 
This is the one. This is the long-awaited Messiah that is to come that probably she's heard her parents speak of, maybe the rabbi in the local synagogue there speak of as he quoted the prophets, and she's realizing this is him. But not only that, I'm the one chosen to bear this son of the Most High God. And she had to be wondering as she reflected on this, why me? Who am I? How could God give me this privilege? I mean, not some Jewish family down in Jerusalem, maybe the high priest's family, a leading rabbinical family. No, the young girl betrothed to a carpenter up in obscure Nazareth. Amazing when you think about it. She was being asked to be the Christ-bearer. Now, some of you know that when you consider the balance of the New Testament, all of us are called to be Christ-bearers. Not to give birth to Christ. That only happened once as he came and took on flesh. But to bear his name. Bear the name of Christ, Christian. To bear the message of the good news to those around us, to exude the love and kindness and grace of Jesus and the truth of Christ to our family members and to our friends. We're called Christ-bearers. Christopher actually means Christ-bearer, and that's what each of us are called to be in the balance of the New Testament. When a person uses the position they have toward that end, it's an amazing thing happens. I want to ask you, did you hear the news this last week that uh, Charlie Brown was arrested and sent to prison for five years? Not the actual Charlie Brown, but the voice of Charlie Brown, okay? Uh, Peter Robbins, back in the day when, 50 years ago, these Peanuts uh, animated cartoons came on television, he was the voice through all of those and uh, would speak uh, about, well, for Charlie Brown, interesting voice. And, but this last week in San Diego County, he was charged with criminal threatening, uh, threatened the sheriff down there and then also the manager of a mobile home park. Peter told the um, judge who sentenced him that he suffers from a bipolar condition and paranoid schizophrenia. If that's true, and I'm assuming it probably might be, that's really sad, and we need to pray for Peter. Uh, this mental condition, a mental illness, sometimes we relegate that to a different place. That's a place, oh, that's shame. You don't talk about that if you or if someone in your family suffers from that. It's okay to be physically ill, but not mentally ill. But that's not right, is it? See, an illness in the mind or brain is no different in, in degree uh, from a physical illness. We need to be treated. If we have any of those conditions, we need to be loved and accepted and encouraged. And so I want to move that out of the realm of shame to an area of concern and prayer and love and, and acceptance, just uh, as an aside here. But I really wanted to talk about Peter Robbins to get to the creator of the Peanuts comic strip, many of you know, was Charles Schultz. 
And Charles Schultz was a devout Christian who created that strip, Charlie Brown's Christmas Story, in which Linus, remember, reads Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. And uh, the whole Christmas story, and it's shown every Christmas. The producers opposed it. They did not want Schultz to have that in there. They said, that's too much scripture. But he insisted on it because he wanted the gospel to go out to all of America. That was his goal. He was successful, wasn't he? For 50 years, every year, that's rolled out and played and replayed through the Christmas season. And Linus shares that Christmas story and then says, and that's the true meaning of Christmas, Charlie Brown. Schultz understood that he was a Christ bearer, that he'd been called, well, he'd been favored by God, extended grace, and he wanted to then bear Christ to the people he could get that message to. That should be our goal as well, folks, as we seek to express the grace, the favor that we have received. Now, Mary, perplexed that she was favored, pondered how that she was called to bear the Messiah, but there was a big obstacle. Her life was forever changed when she came to believe that God would do the impossible through her. Now, when Gabriel, the head angel, had told her that she would conceive in her womb and bear the Son of the Most High, she asked the question that begged to be asked, and that is, how can this be since I am a virgin? She probably wasn't a biology major, but she knew enough to understand that you're not going to conceive without physical intimacy. She was betrothed to Joseph, but during that year's period, there was no physical intimacy until the wedding at the end of that year, and then the marriage was consummated. And she understood, apparently, that this conception was to take place soon or immediately. And how could this be, since I am a virgin, she asks. The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who is called barren is now in her sixth month. And then the angel says, For nothing will be impossible with God. Look at Mary's response. Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Mary's response was amazing. She didn't receive a sign. All she got was the word from God through this messenger, this angel. And she believed and responded that she'd be a bond slave. Now that's significant because a bond slave is a special kind of slave. At this time in history, a third of the Roman Empire were slaves. A third of the people in the Roman Empire were slaves. Few of them were bond slaves. A bond slave was a person who served out the years of their enslavement, and often they would then be set free when they came to the end of that indentured period, unless they had grown to love the master or maybe a spouse that also was owned by that master, and they would choose to continue to serve that master because of love. 
They were called a bond slave. And so Mary is offering herself as a bond slave to the Lord. As Paul would later say in his letter to the Romans, she was offering her body as a living sacrifice to the Lord in response to the angel's declaration that God could do the impossible. I'm convinced Mary, as that young Jewish girl, believed in God from early on. I also believe that she had no doubts that God could do the impossible. But this was different. She now took another step of faith, believing that he could and would do the impossible in and through her. See the difference? Big difference between believing God can do the impossible. She'd heard about the Exodus. She'd heard about all the miracles that God had done throughout the nation's history. But now he would do so the impossible through her. Whenever a person takes that step, that's huge. I want to tell you about a person who's taken that step recently in our own church. Many of you know that we have had for the last five years an international ministry where uh, folks from the university or maybe that have come to our island from another country uh, have come to our church through a hiking ministry or some outreach like that. By the way, this all began when Alma Rowe, about five years ago, emailed me, having served on the mission field in South Korea and, and uh, in Taiwan for many years, came back to retire. And she emailed me and said, Pastor Ron, do you mind if I go up to the university and try to start a, an international ministry? I don't want to have the Lord say to me someday, Alma, you sure read a lot of books in these last 20 years. She didn't want to be irrelevant. She wanted to make a difference. She believed God could do the impossible. She went up there and invited some folks into her home, and that was the launch of an international ministry that is now flourishing in our church. We've seen hundreds of people come through it. Mostly now it's our Chinese friends who've come, whether it's visiting professors or scholars or graduate students or to put their children in a school here in the islands. And we have on Sunday mornings three classes for them. One is uh, to teach them English. Another one is to teach the Bible, but it's in English. Another one's strictly in Mandarin. There's hikes and beach outings and all these other kind of things as bridge builders, but uh, it's flourishing. And even in the last several weeks, a number of these precious folks have come to know Christ. Well, about a year and a half ago, Lucy and her daughter Judy came, and uh, Judy was placed in a school here. And during that period of time, Lucy, through our international ministry, came to know Jesus. And she began to ask prayer for her husband, George, is his English name. And uh, our team began to pray for them. And I'm going to let George tell you his own story. It's in Mandarin, so if you don't speak Mandarin, you're going to have to read the subtitles. But here's what George has to say. You will first hear the English translation, followed by George's testimony in his own words. Hello, everyone. I am George. I believe it is by God's will that I have this opportunity to give my testimony before all of you. Thanks be to God. Let me first briefly introduce myself, a literal foreigner or Gentile. I come from Shenzhen, China, where I operate a small chemical products company. There are three members in my family. My daughter, Judy, has been here in Hawaii for two and a half years, attending middle school at Sacred Hearts Academy. 
It is because of this that my life has undergone a major change. On January 7, 2015, I came to Hawaii to visit my daughter. This beautiful island became the place where I received grace. On April 12th of this year, which is three months after my arrival in Hawaii, I was baptized at Kaimaki Christian Church. My testimony today is not about how pleasant it sounds, rather it's about how true it is. I have only been a Christian for a little more than half a year. I am still a far way off from having all the virtues that true Christians ought to have. Therefore, I can only talk about my personal experience and feelings. There is a question in a web-based survey that goes like this. If you met yourself from 10 years ago, what kind of reaction would you have? There were many replies, such as, I'd rush to him and slap him. Today, suppose you ask me this question. If you met yourself before you became a believer, how would you react? I think my first reaction would be to look down at the ground under my feet to see if there's a hole that I could hide in. I am very ashamed of how I used to be. I cannot give a whole lot of examples to illustrate my previous life to you, but I will give you a typical example. In my small business circle in Shenzhen, we would go drinking uh, very frequently. Drinking lots of alcohol was considered something to uh, boast about, so I drank without restraint. If I were to measure the amount of alcohol we consumed over the years, I would have to measure it by the ton. I often got drunk. I believe my wife Lucy probably remembers the time I returned home late at night when I was so drunk that I couldn't tell which key to use. I stuck a wrong key in the door and the key broke off in the door lock. That night, I ended up spending the whole night on the ground in front of the door. Every time I binged on alcohol, I'd feel happy for a moment, but when I woke up, I would feel depressed. I didn't know the reason why I drank uncontrollably whenever I reached for the wine glass. I simply could not control myself. The reason I felt depressed was because I could not find the true value of life. My life was empty, not worth living. Its chaos was systematic. Indeed, my life was once such a mess that I did not fulfill my responsibilities to society or to my family. On my own, I could not find the strength to overcome the emptiness. When I came to Hawaii, a change in my life happened. I cannot use words to express how moved I am. All I can do is share with all of you this indisputable fact. It is only in Jesus of Nazareth that a person can obtain salvation. He died for my sins on the cross so that I now have a brand new life. And the meaning of life is evident. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And all I have to do is follow him. In August, I came to Hawaii for the second time. I can tell you the liquor sales in China have definitely decreased. I now have a strength that I can rely on forever, a strength that has pulled me away from drinking. I no longer have to numb myself with alcohol. In a month, I will return to China with the joy and peace of salvation the world has lit up in my eyes, and the road toward holiness has opened up before me. I ask you all to pray for me. Pray that our merciful God will give me wisdom and patience so that I will have the courage to overcome temptations from all sides, 
to firmly walking on the straight path that glorifies God and make it my God-given mission to spread the gospel. Hello,大家好,我是George,有这个机会在大家面前做见证。我相信这是出于神的旨意,我们感谢神。先简单介绍一下我自己,我来自中国深圳,在那里经营一家小型的精细化学品公司。有一个山口之家,我的女儿Jud
和生命。我只需要跟从他，不需要苦苦的去寻求。八月份我第二次来到哈瓦伊的时候，我可以高兴的向大家透露，中国白酒的销量肯定已经有所下降。我已经有了一个可以永远依靠的力量，把我从酒桌旁边拉开。我已经用不着用喝酒来麻醉自己。再过一个月。我将返回中国，在蒙恩的喜乐、平安之中，这个世界在我们眼前明亮起来。通往圣洁的生活的路已经在我面前展开。我恳请大家为我祷告，祈求仁慈的上帝赐给我智慧、忍耐，让我有勇气战胜来自各方面的试探，走在这条荣耀神的正道上，并将传播福音。是做神所呼召的使命。谢谢大家。Amen. George came to Hawaii as an atheist, and now he sees himself as a Christ bearer. He says, "I was blind, but now he said Christ has lit up my eyes in my life." When he went back to China during that interim before he returned recently. Uh, he went back as a believer, and he shared Christ with his employees. He also coaches a men's soccer team. He gave them all a New Testament and shared the gospel with them. And he's so excited about following Jesus. Has even talked about a Bible study when he returns,、uh, possibly seminary beyond that. But wherever he goes, the light of Christ will go with him because Christ has changed his life. Lucy, who just returned this past week.、Uh, I hope you don't mind if I mention this, Lucy. But she brought with her from China some Christian materials that were printed in China, Christian materials and Bibles. So Lucy's actually smuggling Bibles into America. <laughs> but anyway, it's exciting to see this because George realized the grace of God had been extended to him. He'd been favored by God. He'd been asked to be a Christ bearer. He believes. That God can not only do the impossible, but will do the impossible through His life. So let me ask you this morning: How about you? Do you believe that He can and will do the impossible in your life? As our last point says, it's one thing to believe God can do the impossible; it's life-changing to believe He will do so through you. It's one thing to believe that God can do the impossible. It's life-changing to believe that He will do so through you. Let me close with a couple of verses out of Ephesians chapter one. Paul says he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the kind intention of His will, to the praise. Look at this phrase of the glory of His grace. Which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. I call your attention to that phrase because it's the same complex Greek word that is used there, that the angel used in his greeting to Mary. Paul is saying you've been extended that same favor, that same grace. It's the only other place in the New Testament this is used. But as a follower of Christ, you got it. That favor, that grace. And then he goes on and says, "In Him, we have redemption through His blood. He purchased us." The forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished on us. When we first believe, His grace is extended, and as we continue to believe, He continues to 
lavish his grace on us. And I don't know about you, but I've needed it since I've believed again and again, and it's there for us. That's the grace. And then so what? Well, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against him, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God has extended his favor to you. He asks you to be a Christ bearer. If you'll believe that, never need to feel irrelevant again. It doesn't get any more significant than bearing Christ to the folks around us. But here's what we need to do. Believe this Christmas and beyond that God will do the impossible through us as we trust him and step out in faith. Let's bow together for prayer. Lord, thank you for the example of Mary in this account who heard this good news and offered herself as a servant to you. And I pray for each of us who are Christ followers that we'll be able to express a similar prayer. Even though it seems impossible and we may feel irrelevant, that we might say to you, in essence, behold the bond slave of the Lord offering ourselves to serve you as we bear Jesus to those around us. And for anyone here this morning, Lord, that has doubts about salvation or forgiveness or where she or he would spend eternity, I pray this would be the day and this would be the season in which she or he would say, yes, Lord, I believe, I receive you. Behold the bondservant of the Lord. Do that in each of our lives, I pray in Jesus' name, amen.